What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stan, you know, one of my favorite books is The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. I know you love it. There's a section in there where Darren Hardy talks about selling like Lennon. Okay. Like John Lennon. Okay. Not the former Beatle. Yeah. Okay. It was just this individual who learned how to sell a bunch of candy bars. And the way he did it is that instead of trying to sell one to individuals, he went to big, huge high rises and put the box there and worked with the receptionist to get her to mention it to all the people that came by, right? Well, we heard another story last year. If you remember, we were at this event, and this guy talked about how he, when he was a young kid, learned how to sell candy bars as a fundraiser to where he, like, blew out the all-time record of fundraiser from learning a lesson. You remember that? I do, yeah. You're talking about Greg? Yeah. Yeah. And when Greg was telling that story, and he, he was – sharing some of those examples, I had a chance to pass that along to my daughter. And I was the recipient of your sharing with her. Yeah. So I just want to share this with you. If you have, if you have a kid, you, you'll love this. Today's episode is we are talking about small deals and big deals. I think it applies, but it's a, it's an interesting story. Well, one of the things that I was teaching her from my lessons of those two things is that, look, when we're, she's trying to raise money for VBS. And I was like, you know, we want to get as much money as we possibly can. Like let's, let's advance the kingdom. She's raising money for every 60 cents. They can buy a brick. And the goal is to get 30,000 bricks. So then they can build a house for these orphans over, um, across the, uh, across the pond as they will. And so we're, we're trying our best to like figure out ways. And she was making these cookies and she was like, well, dad, I want to go sell the cookies for a dollar. I was like, no, you don't. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's a small deal. Mm. We want to make a big deal. Yes. And she's like, well, what's a big deal? I was like, here's what you want to do. You want to go give somebody an opportunity to partner in the ministry that is making changes and taking orphans off the street. That sounds way better than just buying a cookie. It sounds amazingly better. And who doesn't want to do that? And and here's the little bit of things that you can add to this to even enhance it that much further. You can say, you know, I did this over here at my house with my dad. And my dad partnered in this ministry and he gave me $100. But he said, Mr. Joey is actually way more charitable than he is. And what he wanted me to do is walk over talk to Mr. Joey and let him know that he also could partner in this opportunity with this ministry to help the little kids get off the streets and have a place to live. And here's what I want you to tell him is that in addition to partnering in this ministry, because you, uh, my dad knew exactly um, how charitable you were, he was wait. He's sitting there patiently waiting for me to come back from visiting with you and run back to him to tell him exactly how big of a partnership that he was going to make with you, so that that he could celebrate with me in uh, in into that um, example of how helpful you were in the in that partnership. She's like, "Oh, I get it." 
It she was goes, awesome, by the way. She's like, I get it. That means he's going to want to write a big check because he's going to know you know. I was like, exactly. He's going to want to do that. And so she showed up here, bro, came over to you with her cookies. I got blindsided. I'm not going to lie. And and as sweet as a 10-year-old, actually 11-year-old. I'm sorry. I forgot that she just turned 11. An 11-year-old could be. Did you write a check? Oh, I, I wrote a big check. In fact, she she didn't start with $100. Oh, what did she say? She said, my dad was very charitable. He gave me $20, but he said, you are much more generous than him. <laughs> and so I wrote a bigger check than $20, but man, it was brilliant. It was uh, brilliant. And by the way, I didn't even want a cookie. No. I just gave her the money. And the cookies is just an after, like a thank you. Like, a hey, by the way, thank you for partnering. We'd like to also give you a cookie for for that part. But the bigger gift is that you are now a partner in this ministry helping orphans off the street. Man. In the Congo, which, I mean, that's that's amazing. When Where else would I have that opportunity? Nah, that is how you take a small deal to a big deal. Yes. Really quickly. <laughs> and I hope today as you listen in to the coaches and us talk about our vision of how we are taking our own passive income streams, how we initially started looking at small deals ourselves. And the things uh, that took for us to to go from small deals to big deals, tons and tons of lessons. Um, no matter where you're at on your journey, you're going to pick up some really, really valuable tools and ways of thinking, I think, are probably the most important that came out of this. So um, I, I say we just jump straight into this yeah. and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deeper into your favorite subject, the infinite banking concept. I am one of your hosts, Russ, the idea guy, Morgan. I'm sitting around the table with the best coaches in the infinite banking nation. To my right, my co-host, my partner, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? Hey, hey, happy to be here. We missed last week, man. I, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm proud of this team that you and I can be out of town enjoying some of this financial freedom that we talk about all the time on the show. And these guys step up and just crush an interview last week. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I was listening to it. Super excited to hear you guys share kind of your stories and Ernie running the head. So to the right of the stallion, we've got downtown Ernie Brown. How are you today, man? I'm good. I would like to just attribute my success to those few years of Toastmasters. We endured. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> tour does we, we Toastmasters were good to you, man. Yeah, how'd you like sitting in my chair over here? I actually I prefer it. You do <laughs> a little more comfortable. Yeah, you like running over here in the in the head in the head table, right at the in, at the end of the round table. That's right. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> across the table from us, we've got Mister Incredible, the man with the million dollar smile, Mister JD Hill. What's up, JD? It's hot. <sighs> It is hot in Texas and humid, um, but it is cool inside, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Well, we need to have a little bit of um, 
talk today on how do we get out of the small deal pile into the big deal pile. Now, Joey, what are you even talking about? Come on. If you've, if you've ever played the game cash flow, it's, a, it's an amazing financial tool. You can either buy the board game, or as you were saying just a second ago before we press record, you can do the online version. You know exactly what we're talking about. In the game of cash flow, our focus is to get enough passive income to where it exceeds our monthly expenses and we get out of the proverbial rat race, as That's Robert right. Kiyosaki calls it, right? That's right. And as we're going around the, um, the little table, the, the little board game, we're given different opportunities. Yep. And we get to choose whether we want to go from the small deal pile, which is deals under $5,000, or do we want to go to the big deal pile, which were deals over 5000 But we don't get the option until we actually have access to cash. Well, That's get, the difference. Well, you can choose either one you want, but I mean, yeah, if you don't have access, it's really not an opportunity for you, right? Yeah, that's you, right. You just get to burn that opportunity for somebody else. Or sell it to someone else. Yeah. Well, so talking about this topic, I'm really interested just to hear you guys' first take before we get deeper. So, J.D., what's your first take on the small deal, big deal topic today? You know, Russ, I'm really, really glad that you asked me to go first on this. Um, you know, as we were preparing for this and looking over our notes. Um, you know, the, the first thing that really comes to mind is that um, you've got to get in the game, right? Mm. And you got to start with a small deal. And uh, it's through that experience that, that allows you to be able to get into the game and, and be able to, to jump to a big deal. Uh, so that's the first thing that comes to mind is just getting your feet wet and getting in the game. I like that one. Ernie, what's your first take? I, I like playing the game. Uh, the first several times I like playing it, I like seeing opportunities. You land, you roll the dice, you move your space, you land on the deal opportunity. Uh, was it the market? You land on the market. Yep. You get to choose between the deal. And I just like the repetition of doing that. Now I like seeing other people do it because you play the game a few times, you figure it out, right? But I like to see, I like to play with people who haven't played before and see their minds work on it a little bit. Stallion? Yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, that's a great point both of you made. Um, number one, don't be intimidated by feeling like you have to jump to the big deal pile. Just start where you're at. I mean, I, even thinking about uh, the episode we did recently with Tal Simpson and hearing him kind of take the first step by one property, then two, then he's up to 60. Now he's trading those in for apartments. Anyways, I, I just saw his whole progression. And then Ernie, to your point, seeing the light bulbs go off with people. But I thing I think about is, man, getting able to, to step into that big deal arena, the game gets more exciting, mm. right? Up until that point, it's kind of slow. You're kind of like, oh, I got my first deal, the small deal, and it's $120 a month of cash flow. Okay, well, that's that's cute, you know? Like, <laughs> But then you jump into that pile and all of a sudden, man, I just created $3,000 or $4,000 worth of cash flow. That's just where it gets exciting and you start seeing it exponentially get you closer to financial freedom. I know this is not going to probably shock you, but I like big deals. And you cannot lie. Mm, I cannot lie. <laughs> how, how do we apply this, though, to real life, right? So if in the board game, small deals or the barrier between small deals and big deals was 5000 what would you say for real life? For us, we're, we're, we're for most people who are listening to this, 
where does that line of small deal, big deal exist? You asking me? Yeah. I, well, I can tell you an example. Okay. So for, for me, uh, I think it's around 10,000. First of all, in, in my is brain, it, is that 10,000 of investment? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. And, and I think back to, we've shared this on the show before, but um, how we did a car loan, an auto loan. It was something totally new to me, but it was, it made sense. Okay. And, um, and I think back to the fact it had way more collateral than the loan required. His car was worth like 20,000. He needed 10,000. And um, I was able to make his payments be very small. Like he was just paying interest every month, hundred dollars to $200 a month, but that he ended up paying over like a, a year span, uh, like a 26% return because I was able to kind of match up his needs and the collateral for me. So it just, it was a win-win to so much so that he renewed and wanted it a second year. So that to me was a really cool example of a, of a small deal and something that was relatively easy to get into. How about you, Aaron? What do you think a small deal is? What, what's that? What's that pinnacle? Between, where, where does someone go from small deal to big deal? Yeah, I I don't think that it's ten thousand dollars. I think that might be an entry deal. Okay. I I'm thinking down payment on a single family house. You be a long term rental, short term rental, ten fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars. Some instances. Think about this this personal loan. That I that I know about heard about uh, this this guy lent money to help this person pay off some some really bad debt and was was willing to to lend for that person to pay off and those payments now coming back to this lender and forty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars I'll put the line at fifty we start going above that I think we'll be drawing out of the big doll big big deal pile in real life as we go above typical lending scenarios or simple single family real estate okay. How about for you, JD? Yeah, for me, I, you know, I'd classify it as um, more lower risk, smaller cash outlay. Uh, I don't know if there's a definitive dollar amount. I just, I think to personally, you know, our first short-term rental um, that we did, it didn't require a tremendous amount of cash flow. You know, it was, I think it was like $12,000 for down payment, um, security deposit, you know, all the technology fees and, and, um, furnishing it, you know, but the risk was, was not that large because we only had to sign a 12 month lease. So it wasn't as though we were buying the mortgage or paying for the mortgage, rather buying the property where now we're, we're, we're in it. Like we have to, to, to make this thing work. Um, but to me, that, I know personally, that was my first small deal that I did, uh, was our first short term rental. And it turned out to be a phenomenal investment for us. Um, that some would even consider, I think maybe even on the the big deal return side uh, for what we're getting, especially on our pet fees. <laughs> <laughs> yes. JD is notorious for pet fees. If you guys have pets and you don't mind spending big dollars <laughs> and you're going through Fort Worth, definitely hook him up. Hey, y'all come on. We will take your pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had somebody the other day had reached out to me and their house was being remodeled. They had a water leak or something like that. And they said, do you guys take pets? I was like, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. <laughs> we love Roscoe. Uh, do you yes. have multiple Roscoes? I mean, you know, how, how we'll many take up dogs to, can we get? We'll take up to two Roscoes. It's going to be uh, um, a lot cheaper than, than kenneling it, and you'll get to, to keep your, your pet with you. Um, That's right. Yeah. But 
it, uh, it, it can't add up. That's for sure. Well, I think, you know, it's always relative, right? So if someone is where, you know, Ernie is right. Still early, um, in, in their kind of career early in their growth pattern, uh, financially, you know, deals can be at different levels. I think, you know, we meet sometimes people who are getting into the passive income space and they they're in their fifties or sixties. And so from that perspective, they're, you know, a, a small deal for them may be getting a couple hundred thousand into the game. Right. That's it, right. It, I think it's always relative to your situation. I just remember the first time, Joey, you and I were um, buying the mining machines, the crypto miners. And I bought, I think seven that first time. And it was somewhere around, I don't know, 60, 70 grand, something like that. Does that sound about right? I think so. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was somewhere around that threshold for me. Cause this is, I don't know, five years ago or however long it's been now, but I just felt like that was a threshold. Not only, it wasn't necessarily that the 70 grand was a, a big number, but it was the cash flow that went along with them. Cause we had to pay $200 a month for each one. Right. So we had this like automatic expense that went along with it without an, a guarantee of return coming back to us. And so for me, that was that kind of like, Ooh, I'm comfortable making $1,500 or whatever it was outlay if it doesn't work out, but anything above that, that's going to make me start really questioning. So for me, it was almost the cash flow, the expenditure. If it didn't work out, what was I going to have to come what out on the hook for? That's a yeah. great point. Yeah. And, I, and it varies, right? Cause there's some deals that we don't have that. Like we just put money in and either it comes back or it doesn't, but there's sometimes we put money in and there potentially could be an expense. You mentioned your short-term rental JD, right? If nobody yeah. rents your unit, there is a monthly expense that goes along with it. And so, you know, when I think about what we've done, Joey, is we start talking about what a big deal looks like. Well, when we had one short-term rental, I was comfortable saying, well, you know, Joey is the landlord on this thing. I feel like, I feel like we can get some leeway on the monthly payment if we need it. We're going to pay. We're going to pay. But, you know, I feel, I feel good. But now that we have 21 units, if we went to a situation where no cash flow came in, there is a lot, there's a lot of money going out the door, right? Yeah. So for me, that is absolutely a big deal. No doubt. hundred percent. And I think that's a good differentiator is how big is that outlay? If, if something goes terribly wrong, um, I think it's also in light of the amount of capital necessary on the front end. In some cases, it may be more time intensive could be a big deal. Uh, I don't know that that's just kind of the the thoughts that come to mind. And, uh, and I also think that it's potentially on the positive side, there's also a scale component. Uh, I think in terms of like somebody, and I mentioned Tao earlier, but going from single family to multifamily, you see that, uh, that progression a lot in a real estate entrepreneur kind of story because they start seeing that, okay, well, I've, I've gotten my feet wet. I've gotten my sea legs, so to speak, with these individual homes. Now I get up to this 10 unit or the 20 unit or the 100 unit, whatever it is. And I can now run all those on one location with one roof, you know, all, all those factors come into play and they know that they can actually affect the growth of it. So that's another, in my opinion, exciting part about stepping into that, that big deal, pal. Well, I, I want to hear you, Ern, talk about kind of examples of big deals, but do you feel like as you lead into that, do you feel like there's a 
um, a natural next step from small deals to big deals that, that you have seen and the people that you've been working with for the last several years? Well, I think the immediately I would say yes, but thinking through that, it's uh, Joey, you talking about Tal, I think that was his multiple small deals becoming a big deal to him at some level, his single family homes that he was stacking up, those individual small deals became big deals. And the natural progression is as you stack those up, <laughs> your small deals suddenly become a little bit of a business that you're operating mm. in terms of just requiring some more of your time upkeeping those properties. How, what kind of condition are they in? How am I managing the people who are dealing with the turnover in those and the necessary repairs? That operation time becomes a big deal, not to mention the cash outlay in terms of monthly expense of what it costs to own those things. Uh, but then also the cash return of those. So I think you can step into big deals just by stacking your small deals or selling multiple small deals and taking advantage of some big deals. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it darn sure. The reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches at westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed, and only then can you implement the infinite banking process. All right, so go to westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15-minute conversation, gain clarity. But now let's jump back into today's episode. Well, I, when you were talking about that, it made me think of sometimes maybe that differentiator between small deal and big deal is going from a hobby to a business. Mm. Because what you were talking about is that, you know, I could have one or two rental properties and I could just do it. I, I remember there was a, an older couple when I first, you know, early on in my career that I would go meet with and she ran like five or six of these little rental properties. And I'd come there and she's got a little yellow notepad. I'm like, what are you doing? She's tracking the, the cash flows of the business on a yellow notepad, right? And I'm not that six or seven units isn't a lot, but it was enough that she could sit there in her kitchen and do it in a very unsophisticated way. But when you get to the point and listen to Tao's episode, he said, you know, there was some things that he was doing kind of in this mom and pop way that when he partnered with a group who, who owned hundreds of rental properties, there was a standard, there was an institutional standard in which they wanted to uh, have the property maintained so that it, it protected the maintenance, it protected the value, it, it, it gave them the best position to be able to sell it. Because as we own businesses, we always should be looking to the exit, right? Yep. What is the next step? And I think that that is really interesting that you were pointing that out, Ernie, is that the big deal differentiator probably is, is that I start thinking about this more like a business. Mm -hmm. Who is running it? How am I, you know, maintaining all operations, both the sales, the operation, the finance, everything all has to be played out together. I love that. Yeah. And I'll just add to this, just an example of this last week at our roundtable discussion. I know you guys were out both enjoying wherever you guys were. <laughs> Somebody started asking about, about different deals and syndicated uh, deals came up and it got me, it made me remember uh, this was last year's working with a guy and there's a, there's definitely a, a niche of people out there who love syndicated real estate deals and love being the limited partner in those. We're just going to, 
we're just going to uh, put money in the deal and we're going to receive a return, a monthly return. And then we'll get our, our capital back when that, when that project sells. And this guy started that. It was sort of a hobby. That was his investment path. He knew he wanted the cash flow. He liked the eventual return of the cash with the property as the, the deal as the collateral. And now, uh, or not now, when I was meeting with him, he was in the middle of taking that and putting his own syndication together. So he was, he was pulling together money from a bunch of different sources for him, some rental properties he had his refinancing and trying to run some money through an insurance policy. And then he was going to be raising money and he was going out to the, to the property that he was working on acquiring. And I think that's a great example of somebody who worked themselves up into something, got enough to exposure in that asset class and then was putting his own deal together. Mm. JD, let's talk about big deals, right? You, you're yeah. kind of a big deal. I, yeah. I, I would, you're like a Ron Burgundy of, of deals. <laughs> <laughs> that is hey, when he quickly. had that mustache a couple months ago. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, yeah. that, that may come back, just to be clear. <laughs> now that we're talking about big deals, I, I may have to bring that back. My wife is, I, I told her I was going to, sweetie, I, I think I want to bring it back. And she said, I wish you wouldn't, but I love you. And I, I'm like, okay, I won't. <laughs> I, I, won't I won't bring it back. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know that you have, have been um, heavily involved in real estate. How have yeah. you seen your real estate deals go from small deals to big deals? You know, as it's interesting. Um, it can happen really fast, faster than I think most people would, would anticipate. And for us, it would be, you know, I think back to 2019, we had just got into to doing flipping, me and a business partner. We completed one flip and it took us about three months to get it done. And in 2020, we did about eight. And then this year, um, currently we have seven under contract and one that we just sold last week. So we had eight and we hopefully should do over 20 this year. And that's, that to me, that's, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Because you've got a lot of different things that you're managing at one time. Um, you know, we went from like $160,000 house to now we've got like a 1.2, $1.3 million that's out right now. Um, and, and to, to the point that you had made, it's, it's no longer a hobby of just trying to make a flip. This is now a business and managing different crews, um, managing all the operations that have to come along with it. How do we keep growing? Uh, it, it, you, you shift from the mindset of just making a dollar or a quick profit to how do I scale and grow this business? Yeah, no, I, I think that same exact thing, Joey, you, you and I, started off with our little bitty crypto miners, right? Baby, baby miners, baby machines. And we, we recently stepped up to some, some big boy, big deals. Yeah. I thought you could cover that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm such an expert in the crypto space. Is well, that what I you're mean, saying? they don't call you crypto Morgan for nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get very cryptic on the crypto. Well, I won't, I won't get too, uh, too deep on this, but uh, one of the things that I've seen in our in our own personal stuff is as we started learning more about crypto and we started learning, you know, hey, there's different ways to mine and there's also different coins to mine. And we've been mining Ethereum, which is a, a, an easier coin to mine as compared to Bitcoin. And one, because Bitcoin requires a lot more energy. It also is a, a fewer options out there. It's a completely different animal. And there's a, 
you know, a group that, you know, thankfully we've gotten a chance to know very well over the last several years, I think is a progression of our understanding of crypto, um, getting in different circles. We talk about all the time, the people that you hang around will reflect not only your own financial uh, statements, but also the mindset that you have. Um, one of these people that, um, that I'm talking about, I had a chance to spend uh, a day last week when I was down in Naples with, and he had just recently uh, wrote a check and he, he loves to write checks to himself. And, and, and he's always saying, when will I cash this check? When will I be able to go to the bank and cash this check? And he, forever, he was walking around with a million dollar, hundred million dollar check in his wallet. And I said, well, tell me what's in your wallet today. One billion. That's, that's the check that he has in his pocket. And, and just by working and being around him and uh, being a part of some stuff that he's able to do, Joey and I just stepped up our mining game to where we're, we're actually invested into a new uh, platform that is uh, mining Bitcoin at a, at a much higher level, much bigger uh, dollar figure for us to, to get involved in. It's more sophisticated, definitely something that I think we wouldn't have been comfortable doing. But also, I, I see that as that progression for that side of the business, don't you? I do. Yeah. And that, and I think to your point, it has over the, if I look back at the progression, the education that came along with it was what gave us the confirmation to step into that. So I, I think it also ties into what we talk about on the show all the time is investing in yourself. And, and also part of that is the relationships that you have. And I think that that's really valuable, but you know, having, we've sat down with experts in the space. We don't pretend to be the experts, but we have sat down with experts to see, Hey, where is this projection going to be in the crypto space? And it really gave us a lot more confidence that this is the step we should take. Now, a couple other big deals. I'll just quickly mention one was a fail and one was a win in my, in my opinion is, uh, and I'll start with the fail you and I have been talking about buying an Amazon business. And so this was a big deal leap for us. In my opinion, we went from very limited knowledge of the space to who are, who is the expert that we could partner with and purchase an existing business. But we went down that due diligence path. We made an offer and it didn't get accepted. Now that's not the worst thing that could happen, by the way, it was, it was bad in the sense that I feel like we missed out on an opportunity, but it was also good in the fact that it forced us to educate ourselves on what goes into a letter of intent in this space. What factors do we need to be consistent with our investor DNA that make this a good deal or a bad deal? I think that was super valuable. And uh, we even talked to investors about it, which I think was, you know, fairly different for us. We've always just used our own money. And this is something that we talked about, hey, this is going to stretch us to, to spread out to other investors. So we didn't, it didn't work out, but I feel like we learned a lot. And then I think on the positive side, you and I stepped into the ATM fund, which we talk about on our passive income report. And that thing has just been super easy and, uh, and automated. And, you know, I, I love that, you know, it kicks off about $2,100 a month and we don't have to do anything for it. So super passive. And, um, it definitely was a, a larger check to pay, but it also gave some tax benefits that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah. Well, I, I think that when you're going back to the game cash flow, and there's decisions to be made where 
hey, you know, and do I take the risk of going for the big deal? And then the cash flow game, really the risk is twofold. One is I miss out on a small opportunity. I try for the big one and I don't get it. So I let a small one go by that I could have added cash flow, getting me closer ultimately to passive income greater than monthly expenses. But also the risk is, is that I maybe I stretch myself on the big deal. I, I deplete a bunch of my cash that I have available to make it happen. And then a major expense comes and bites me. And I think that that's a real uh, interesting part that you can't forget that as much as I love big deals and I cannot lie, <laughs> I, I do know that having that, that comfort, having that reserve stuffed away in our insurance policies that I, and I have a threshold, everybody I believe should have a threshold of what you keep available to you. Um, you call it dry powder a lot but have that amount of money. And I don't dig into that pile. It's going to have to be something really, really good. That's going to come back to me really quickly with little or no concern of risk on the principal at all before I would go into that percentage, but we've been stacking cash. And I think that that's the way that you go from small deal to big deal in the game, but also in real life is that you've got to put yourself in a position where you can access cash. And that means that you have to be better with your finances. You have to spend less than you make. It means that you have to put it in places that you can get to it. You know, it doesn't matter if you got $2 million in your 401k. Good for you. That's awesome. But see you at 60, right? I mean, because between now and then you don't get to touch it. So I think like the, the mindset of how do I get to big deal, big deals is a lot. It's mindset is who you're around. It's the, the process of thinking from hobby to business is making sure I have access to cash that's going to allow me to do the deal, but also more access to cash that protects me if I get into it and I go through a small season. Because I'm sure there's people that, that started in their eyes some big deals back in uh, the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and had no idea what they were getting ready to go through. No doubt. And, and if they didn't have that, that excess money sitting there to help protect that investment, potentially they were selling or, or, or gone. I mean, we know of a, a company that was worth 10, $20 million pre COVID and ultimately fire sold it basically just for nothing. Like they just signed their name off the deal. So they were no longer liable. And, and I don't know all the financials of the business, but I know that money can disappear quickly in certain situations. You better be prepared for it. Otherwise, you're going to be the one selling when everyone else there who's prepared could be buying. Yeah. I'm going to add one thing before we wrap up. And it comes down to what JD even started out with is get in the game, right? And part of getting in the game is, as Nelson would say in his book, is you have to go through the capitalization phase right? Some of you have just started a policy in the last year and you're like, man, I love this idea. Small deals, big deals. Like let's, let's get going. And it's just not time, right? You have to go, you can't leapfrog the capitalization phase, but what you can do during the capitalization phase is educate yourself, hmm. invest in yourself. The fact that you're here now, now, some of you are listening, you're not in the inner circle and you're missing out because this is where you are surrounded by the other people on this journey and you are getting in-depth coaching on a weekly basis. And it's about to get even more exciting, by the way. So if you're not a part, go join us. 
wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. We have a free trial. There's literally nothing to lose. So get involved. But this is a way that you can invest in yourself while you are building that dry powder and getting clear on what sort of investor you are so that you can go and get into the game, the small deals and the big deals. All right, JD, final take as we wrap up today. Uh, final take is I need to make sure I'm, I'm unmuted. Um, that's number one. Uh, but I, I, I would say final take is um, don't get lost in um, trying to hit a home run right away. Um, the, the name of the game is, you know, from my perspective, is to hit singles and doubles um, because eventually you will hit a home run. And, and so just get your, get your feet wet, get, your, um, get in the game, um, stop trying to swing for the fences, and good things will happen. Good. Earn. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Russ's golf game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Should we> just... <laughs> I usually am swinging for the fences. They, they usually put the out of bounds uh, with fences. So. <laughs> I, I think about just playing that cash flow game. One of the rules of the game is you've got to read the deals out loud. Mm. And you read you read the deals out loud to the people you're playing with, and typically, you don't play games with people you don't like. That, that's the way that it should be in business, right? So, just having the people around you to help evaluate these things as much as possible. Uh, I just think of that. That'd be that'd be what I would add. Man, those are two just amazing uh, final takes. How about you, Stalin? I think uh, just adding to what I said earlier is that sometimes you have to become somebody different to get from a small deal to a big deal. And, and that's a, that's a really, I think underrated uh, part of this game. And that is the education component. That's the community that you keep. That's the networking that you're doing. Um, all those things. I mean, if you, and if you could have met Russ and I five years ago, we were not talking like this. Mm -mm. Okay. Because we, we were not the person that were, we, could have gotten into any of these big deals. If we had the cash at that time, we would not have been able to do those deals, mm -mm. period. I mean, end of story. So it, you have an opportunity and, uh, and nobody's going to do it for you. This is up to you to do. And um, man, just grateful to, to share this with you. And hopefully you'll, you'll be a part of our community. What a great episode, gentlemen. Great job. Now for you, you can take action. You can join the inner circle by going to wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. And you can also get in the game. You can start learning about how to do the first deal. Whether you want to call it a small deal, your first deal may be a big deal for you. But do a deal. You got to take action. We learn while playing, not by sitting on the sidelines. And so the inner circle is where people are learning. They are taking action and that that community of people we talked about a second ago that can help us broaden our mindset, lift our lid, as you like to say, Stallion, is in there. So go there, wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. As always, we appreciate you for listening to this episode. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.